Well, hello, hello, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic, and I'm joined by my good friend, Brian, with a Y. How you doing? David, good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on the show. Great. Uh, this is a special edition, Skeptics and Seekers. Uh, you'll notice that there was no intro music uh, today uh, for for my own reasons. One, I just didn't feel like it. And two, I thought that... Um, I wanted to mark uh, the occasion of this being something special, something a little bit different. Uh, Today, uh, we are not going to talk about an issue per se. Today, we are going to highlight, we are going to reference, we are going to honor the good people in the comment section. And uh, I just want to say that I think that Skeptics and Seekers has one of, if not the best comment sections on the internet uh, of, of its kind. Uh, it's better than the comment section on Unbelievable. Uh, it's better than the comment section of any of the specifically Christian um, uh, theological uh, discussion boards that I uh, go to from time to time. It's better than anything that I have ever seen. And when I want to relax uh, and just uh, geek out uh, on some religious conversation, I go to Skeptics and Seekers and see what you guys are saying. And so today, I want to honor you guys who have been filling the comments with such great discussions. Uh, so today, it is the comments section. And I want to do this at least once a month, uh, just to take some time to read the comments and discuss what you're discussing, care about what you care about, and uh, see if we can't uh, advance some of those ideas further and uh, highlight those conversations in such a way where we can keep them going uh, because we see a lot of good comments. Don't get a chance to comment on all of them. Sometimes the conversations end in frustration. Sometimes, uh, you know, it's a question mark. Sometimes, you know, you know, we don't know what to do with them, but we know that they were great conversations. And so I just want to highlight some of those conversations uh, today, I've picked a handful of uh, comments out to highlight. Brian has picked uh, a handful out to highlight. And uh, even though Brian has fewer than me, I'm going to let Brian go for no, I'm not. I, almost, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, See, I've been talking to you too long. That, you weren't going to trick me with that. I was, I was not even worried about that. I really had first, it yeah. in my mind. I let Brian go first. And then it just, <laughs> the moment came. No. Um, but in a way, I will let Brian uh, go first. So in the post, Surviving Corona, uh, this is where we are discussing uh, the book and we're having interviews with the uh, various authors. By the way, we'll have another interview uh, with uh, an author tomorrow. Uh, David Russell is going to uh, do his interview, so uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, so in Surviving Corona, we have this comment. She is delightful to listen to. Now, this was directly after uh, Natalie Collins uh, was posted. Uh, she is delighted to listen to. Haven't read her chapter yet, but I will. Without trying to come off as a jerk... I literally cannot fathom how she can think God is talking to her the way she describes. Even from a Christian perspective, it opens up a multitude of irreconcilable issues. This was from Brian with a Y. Brian, 
The uh, natural follow-up question to this is, have you read her chapter yet? Yeah, I'm going to make for some great podcast show right now and say that, regrettably, I have not read the chapter yet. Oh, where is that soundboard when you need it? Ba-boom, ba-boom. <laughs> I just failed at Plinko on The Price is Right. I'm going down the tubes. Oh, God. Um, let me let me check my Skype and see if we've got another host uh, up here. Nope. Brian is the only one on Skype right now. All right. Well, Brian, we're going to continue with you anyway. Um <laughs> That's uh, for lack of it's for lack of better options. <laughs> so uh, that's by the way, I am happy. To, I'm happy to be the last man standing, the tallest midget in the room. Happy to do it. Look, that's how I get this job. <laughs> so, um, so yes, yeah, she is delightful uh, to talk to, and just to um, to flesh out what you were referencing, Natalie Collins believes that God speaks to her uh, directly. Uh, And so uh, you were commenting on that. And uh, the particular thing that I wanted to uh, just have you um, explore uh, for a minute or two is uh, even from a Christian perspective, it opens up a multitude of irreconcilable issues. What are some of the irreconcilable issues uh, you think that opens up? Sure. So um, on a couple of different levels, um, it just it, it just strikes me as real. It, it's a strong, strong claim that, you know, I can't even see what the evidence of that claim could be. Right. I mean, let's let's assume for a moment that that Natalie actually has God talking to her. How in the world would you ever confirm that? How in, how in the world would you ever demonstrate that it actually happened? Um, so I, I'm just, I don't know how you can feel so strongly that God's talking to you when you couldn't form sentences to describe the fact that it did and the fact that you know it did and how it happened. Um, from an irreconcilability standpoint, you know, it, it, if, if you're thinking about all the various God stories in the world, there are very, many, many different religions, many different gods. There are many different people in different traditions that are claiming that God's speaking to them in many different um, in many different ways. There's no way to cross-reference these to figure out whether some are right, some are wrong, but all of them could be wrong. So I don't know how you can can you know think that God's speaking to you when someone who believes in a completely different religion also thinks their God's speaking to them. Obviously, there's something amiss here. And it would need to be rectified, and I don't even see a process for how you would rectify that. And as far as from looking at it from inside of Christianity, you know, again, many different denominations, many different sects. Some think that God is extremely overtly communicating to people. Some think you're just supposed to experience him as a feeling, as a metaphor, and everything in between. So, you know, by putting your marker down that God speaks to her directly— you're putting yourself at odds with the way that even other Christian denominations would say that God is communicating with us. So it's just, it, it's a, I just, I find the claim so strikingly bizarrely confident that, that I, it, it, it really hits me uh, in a way that, that, you know, it, it kind of knocks me off balance a little bit. And, so, and like I said, I think she's fantastic. I'm, I do not want to criticize her personally. She's wonderful. I'm glad she's in the world. Glad she's saying what she's saying, but 
it, you know, that particular claim really hits me hard. So let me let me just um, let me steel man her case a little bit. Um, so I don't believe there's a God. So obviously, I don't believe a God is talking to her. Right. But if you do believe there's a God, you can't rule out God talking to her. So if if you have already accepted the the big question of whether there's a God or not, um, then it's just as reasonable that God is talking to her as not. So you you don't really have a good reason to say you could say, well, you know, based on what we know about the Bible, you know, God doesn't talk to people that way. But that's that's not an actually good, strong case. Um, I think that I might be a slightly better theologian uh, than Natalie, and so I think I could I could defend her, you know, in the in the theology courtroom. I think that I could make a case uh, for God talking to people exactly the way she says God talks to her, uh, and I think that I could win or at least um, hold even uh, debating against pretty much anybody who would think otherwise. And so I think at the very least. Uh, you have a framework, uh, a theological framework, where it is in fact possible that God uh, talks to her, and you know the objections that well God has let some bad things happen to her. Well, we have a theological framework for God letting bad things happen to people He's talked to. So I don't, I just don't see any way for a Christian, anyway, uh, another believer, to rule out uh, the idea that God is talking to her. Now I think the problem though, with Christianity, is not the idea that God is talking to her. The problem is that you're in a position of, if you believe that God is talking to this person, then you kind of have to ignore everything that you think you know and listen to that person. Why? Because God is talking to that person. And so the chances that you are wrong are significantly greater when you disagree with her. She becomes the prophet, the herald, uh, the voice of God. And so if you don't change your beliefs to her beliefs, especially on things where she has said, God told me this, you're either calling her a liar or you're denying God. And so that's that's the position that the claim puts the Christian in, in, in my view. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. But the problem becomes, so if you're a Christian and you believe in God, and God's talking to Natalie and not talking to me, that creates a conundrum, right? What's going on here? Why is God not talking to me? Why is God talking to her? And there's no way to parse whether Natalie is being um, a deceiver or whether she's sincerely is having God talk to her, or if she's just mistaken, and that's just her own inner voice talking to her, or maybe it's a demon talking to her, or maybe it's a different God talking to her. There's literally no way to parse whether Natalie is, you know, the the next coming of the best uh, Christian prophet, or the worst charlatan in the world that needs to be ignored and and, and put a stop to. So I don't, I don't know how you would interact with with her making these claims until you could make that determination. Okay, well, so I I agree with that. Sorry, I had to go with 
dog out. Um, Sorry about that. No, I'm not. I was. I'm not as long winded yet. Let's see if I. I'll hit. I'll hit yeah, the ground running would, as we keep yeah. going. <laughs> I need you to have my back when you hear these, these silences. <laughs> I may have I may have gotten up to let the dog out. I may have gotten up to yeah. go to the bathroom. I may have gotten up to go to the sandwich. I need you to keep talking. <laughs> I need I need some kind of a signal because then I'll use the bigger words. I'll I'll go into my 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 southern drawls to, to drag it out. I can you know, I got some things I can do to help All you. Right. All right, you're 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 gonna be you're gonna be great at this one day. Um, I'm, so. Here's, <laughs> Um, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there. I think there's more to be discussed there, and I I brought it up um, because I, I I thought it was a discussion worth having that I don't see Christians having. I do want to see some Christians commenting on that. Uh, do you believe uh, Natalie in her claims? And if you do, what are the what are the consequences of that belief? Do you not believe her? Then what what are the consequences of not believing her. Uh, I personally think that Natalie is a person of um, conscience and integrity. I don't think she's making it up. So I, I think she believes it. I don't, you know, there's, there are some people who I would say, and I think they're lying. <laughs> right? uh, I don't think she's lying. So uh, if you don't think she's lying, then you have to wrestle with the consequences uh, of that one way or the other. And so uh, once again, that is in uh, the conver- the uh, the uh, thread surviving Corona, uh, and uh, so I'd, I'd love to see some conversation on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna do one more uh, before letting you in because I think I've got probably twice as many as you've got. Um, <laughs> so um, this is from- you're, feel- you're you're feeling in a much more uh, you want to celebrate a little bit more than I do today. You're you're, I do. you're ready to I do you're I showering do. us showering us. <laughs> I want to. Praise. I want to. I want to celebrate my uh, my commenters. I love this community. So, um, <laughs> a conversation with Chase. Uh, turn turn your hymnals to a conversation with Chase, uh, or is it your Bibles? Turn uh, open your Skeptics and Seekers Bible to a conversation with Chase, chapter five. Um, the comment is, why do you single out Christian truth? Christian truth is in quotes. Whatever that uh, categorization might mean, truth is truth. Whether or not some or all Christians happen to believe it, and surely it merits our attention, irrespective of whether or not they do. This is from Brian with an I. The yeah, that's other. The J- that's the, that's the JV team. Right. JV team, Brian. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, Brian. I think you're good. It's just that spelling, that spelling just doesn't do it for me. Well, uh, surely one of you has their name spelled incorrectly. Um, you know what? We'll talk about that maybe in a, another one of my comments uh, here. But yeah, uh, so this conversation I think was going on with Peter um, at the time, and I didn't actually pull a comment from Peter. Uh, I don't think, but Peter was actually the instigator uh, of a lot of good stuff uh, that happened on the board. I've got Peter as one of my comments, so we can, we'll get into that. Great, great. So, um, yeah, why, why, uh, why single out uh, Christian truth, uh, whatever that categorization might mean? Truth is truth, whether or not some or all Christians uh, happen to believe it. And surely 
uh, it merits attention, uh, irrespective of whether or not uh, they do. I really feel like um, that was something that Peter said that Brian quoted, but uh, yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll put a link in the show notes so that uh, we can have uh, that conversation. Uh, truth is truth. Uh, so why are we talking about Christian truth? Uh, why are we singling out uh, Christian truth? Um, is 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 that uh, hypocrisy on our part? Uh, you know, it it doesn't matter uh, whether it has religious import or not. What we should be seeking is truth in whatever form it comes in. You have any? You have any reason to disagree with that? Uh, you know, I don't disagree with the comment by itself in a vacuum. I, I think that's right, uh, and and I, I think it's good for Brian to point that out. However, I thought it, I thought it was misplaced in the conversation as it was happening, because it wasn't you that was singling out Christian truth. You just happened to be talking about the topic of Christian truths when you were having this conversation, and Peter was very clearly saying that there were truths to be known, and he's got a way of knowing them. And you were very plainly asking him to show us what those ways are. And in fact, we're strong, you know, going as far as strongly countering that. No, there's no way to know what the real uh, truths of some of these Christian claims are because of where they sit. Uh, and, you know, to put on my um, my wonky philosophical hat for a few minutes, uh, this this comment to me reveals the difference between ontology and epistemology what is actually the nature of the truth and our ability to know it. And it's true that, you know, whether Jesus rose from the dead or not 2,000 years ago actually happened or it didn't. But that's not the same as how can we know whether or not it happened. It's possible to know it happened. It's possible to know it didn't happen. It's also possible that we don't have a way of determining whether it happened or not. So I thought that was very clearly, it was the epistemology that you were trying to hit at in that conversation. So I thought that, that the way this comment came in kind of put it onto a different frame that wasn't appropriate at the time. Okay, so I I would like to say more uh, about this comment. I'm trying to go to it with the link that I have there um, and get a little bit more context from it. But for whatever reason, the site isn't working properly. So uh, Discuss, is, Discuss is having trouble and I can't bring that comment up. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's it's been it's been wonky lately. I'll definitely concur with that. Yeah, um, you know I, you know people people you're not going to realize this, but I made very meticulous notes, and my notes included the links to the conversations, so I could just go to them really quickly. You know, to avoid awkward moments like this. <laughs> This is riveting podcasting, David. I'm I'm happy to be on board. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a way to blame you for this, <laughs> but um, but I cannot. So uh, I am sorry, Brian. With an I, we are just going to have to leave it there. Uh, but uh, I did find that uh, one of the more interesting discussions, uh, and I was going to bring in some more of the context. Uh, and I can't do it. Are you able to get it? Is Discuss working for you? Let's see. Let me let me click it. I got it in front of me now. So let me let me pull it up. Um, 
Yeah, um, it, the link works, but it's loading, loading, circling, circling, not getting specifically to where I want yeah, it to be. Yeah, and mine just ends saying yeah. discuss seems to be uh, taking longer than usual reload. And uh, yeah. so, hey, that's <laughs> just great. I will, um, I will transition. But, uh, go ahead. Before, before you jump, just do, do you think – so my my critique of, of where that comment fit in the conversation did do you think I have it have it right? Obviously, you were kind of part of that conversation. Do, do you think it was um, kind of a sidestep of what it is exactly you were trying to get out of Peter when you were talking to him about that? Well, I th- I think so. I, I but yeah. I was just going to glance at it real quick. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure. And uh, so yeah, awkward. Uh, so with that. I am going to transition to you to take us out of this awkward moment yes. to one of your favorite comments. All right. I am going to, I am going to stay, I'm going to stay adjacent to this because I, I, I think this, that, like, I agree with you. That overall conversation was really, really good. It went long. There was a lot of back and forth. I was reading it uh, with much interest. I almost jumped in a handful of times and for some reason, you know, the, the good angel on my left shoulder, one out over the bad one on my right. Uh, but but I'd like to see this conversation keep going. Uh, so I'm going to read from Peter, the first book of Peter in the uh, Conversations with Chase chapter of the Skeptics and Seekers Bible. Uh, and he he got to the bottom of this idea of the epistemology and, and where the truths are and what he knows and why he knows them. And, and this is what he had to say. Uh, And it was in response to you. He said, I have foundational beliefs about God as revealed in Jesus and read the rest of the Bible, which I believe was inspired by God through imperfect men in that light. I don't and have never claimed to have a detailed knowledge of why groups of people came to believe in God other than the general belief outlined above that God revealed truths about himself to them. I have never expressed the view that a skeptic should care about the above or that it would lead them to believe in God. In fact, I've said twice now, you probably shouldn't care. Of course, the Holy Spirit can use anything to draw people to God. But I believe our focus should be on Jesus and his teaching, not understandings of Noah's Ark or how people 3,000 years ago came to believe in the existence of God. So uh, I thought this was a this was there was a lot packed into this little two paragraph. Um, this comment. was one and, of my favorite comments. <laughs> <laughs> and and Peter, I just want to give you a shout out. I, I really appreciate you being in the conversation and 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 having all of what you had to say about this. Um, so thank you for the fodder. Please, also, uh, uh, the the uh, in our book of Peter, Peter actually did uh, do his writing as opposed to the Bible when uh, in the book of Peter, it's not Peter. Uh, so, uh, you know, just putting that out there. <laughs> yeah. uh, our, our Peter is much better than the old 2000 year old Peter for sure. Props to Peter. But, uh, but this comment hit me and it, was, it, it has a lot of threads in it. I think we could, we could suss this one out for a while. I thought it was interesting that he gave up the game that we're not, um, interested in, in convincing skeptics there's he's got nothing to say like so there's no discipleship here there's no winning souls for christ there you know the skeptics can stay skeptical don't worry about it you don't have to believe what i believe i thought that was an interesting uh, admission yeah it kind um, of floored me honestly. yeah yeah <laughs> and 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 that's not you know that's not what i knew of christianity when i was in we were told to make you know be fishers of men 
and Peter himself, the fisherman, was a fisher, a fisher of men. Uh, so, you know, I, I thought that was interesting. Um, but I, I also thought it was interesting how he said that he didn't have a view about how these people believed things back then. But that's what he spent the entire conversation defending is, is there was a very specific way that he knows was wrong. They did not believe things in a modern historical context. And that's a positive claim that bears the burden of proof. And he spent the rest of the conversation trying to duck that burden of proof and claiming that the people on the other side were, were, were claiming the opposite. And, and I thought that was an interesting conversational uh, thread. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to, once again, uh, def- defend Peter. Um, I'm defending a lot of clients uh, that are probably going to be convicted anyway, and they, they're not paying me. Uh, so <laughs> this is yeah we 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 get we get to get you to refocus your your professional efforts so that they generate the loot. <laughs> this is the level of defense you get uh, from the public defender's office. So <laughs> maybe maybe pay up and get a get a better defense. <laughs> Peter 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 is lucky to have you. If, if, he, if he had me, I think he'd be sunk. <laughs> so so um, in defense of Peter's uh, overall argument, uh, which is. Whatever view they had, it couldn't be the the modern view of history. Well, that's almost uh, a tautology. Um, it's they couldn't have a modern view because they weren't moderns. Um, so great. I'm I'm going to say you nailed it. Uh, they couldn't have a modern view because they weren't moderns, uh, and so. We could we could stop you know just pull back a little bit and see Peter's perspective uh, somewhat. These are people that are three thousand years ago, you know, and however they saw things, it it couldn't be the same way as we see them three thousand years later. In the same way that someone three thousand years from now um, would see things. Uh, differently and have different tools and that sort of thing, uh, maybe even different goals. Uh, but I do think that's a somewhat trivial point. Uh, so yes, they are not copying from our book, but the real claim is uh, about literalism versus non-literalism. And so I think what the argument is uh, in that very long, very interesting argument, by the way. So if you guys haven't followed the whole thing, um, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> so um, people 3,000 years ago, uh, what Peter is saying is they wouldn't have thought of uh, history as literal events being recorded. And that's that's where I think things get sticky, because if you are certain that they didn't have a literal view of their stories, then it seems incumbent upon you to uh, make clear what view they did have, because you're you're eliminating the possibility that they had a literal view. They didn't have to think like modern people to have a literal view. And I think that's what the, the the people on the other side are trying to argue. Uh, it doesn't matter that they weren't moderns. A literal view is a realistic possibility of the way people think. It's one of the possibilities. We're not even saying they definitely saw it as literal. 
But it's definitely possible that they could have seen it as literal. And when you say, no, it's definitely impossible for them to see it as literal, I, I think that's where the, the problem starts. And then uh, within that conversation, um, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the arguments that Peter made, and again, I appreciate the attempt here, uh, he's saying in the first couple of chapters of Genesis, you have two different origin stories. Uh, that are kind of smashed together, but they're two different origin stories. And when you look at them uh, academically and critically, you see that they are they're contradictory stories. They're not the same story. And uh, Val, uh, in that argument, you know, tried to point out that you know they may have they may have uh, settled those differences the same way we settled our literalists settle those differences today. But I think even before you get to that argument. You have to appreciate the fact that a Christian is saying, no, there are two contradictory uh, stories in the Bible. Most Christians do not acknowledge that. So I, I found it interesting that that went unchallenged uh, by Christians. Christians, you actually believe that the, um, the Genesis story, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, are two separate contradictory stories? Because for Peter's argument to make sense, you kind of have to accept that premise. And I don't think that most people do accept that premise. That's a, that's a very rarefied academic point of view. And, and then the academics that accept that point of view are usually uh, not people that Christians are, are, are very happy with. And so uh, I, I found that to be an interesting part of the argument that went unargued. And this is one of those places where I, I would have expected some Christians to step up and say, uh, wait a minute. No, you're wrong about uh, Genesis having uh, two contradictory stories. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I would love to have seen some more Christian pushback and to see what the different perspectives are, because I'm sure they're not a monolith on this particular point. Uh, and there's a point to be argued in the way that you described there. Um, the other thing about this comment that uh, really um, it, it hit me was um, the, the first line, that he has foundational beliefs about God as revealed in Jesus. Um, that hit me as being something like a properly basic belief or uh, an axiom or a presupposition. Um, so that one line, that's the kicker then, right? So what's important to me for understanding where Peter's coming from is well, so great. You made the assertion that you have foundational beliefs. What are they? And how did you come uh, come about to have these beliefs? Because if they're wrong, or if your method for for assuming they're foundational is faulty, or not uh, well subscribed, then the, the rest of it that follows downstream is irrelevant, right? So, so what I want to know is, okay, great, you have foundational beliefs. Tell me about them. What are they? And how did you come to have them? Because if they're true, and if they're useful, I would be happy to adopt them myself. But that's – he buried the lead. It's like the Seinfeld episode with the yada yada. He yada yada yeah. over the best part, <laughs> which is, oh, great. There are these foundational beliefs. Fantastic. Let's just – you know, we'll just cover right over that, and then we'll go on to the Noah's Ark part, right? Well, so. I, I think the yada yada gets even louder. I So I was in that conversation, um, and um, – we, I, I was trying to just bring it down to basics so that I could get both sides on the same page. 
Um, because it, at, at one point, uh, it seems like the sides were speaking at cross purposes and, uh, they were really trying hard to, to connect. So, uh, I brought it down to, uh, the, just the, the first few words of the first verse of Genesis in the beginning, God created the heavens, uh, in the earth. And I asked, well, do you believe, um, when, you know, when the people read this, did they believe that there was a literal God who made a literal creation of uh, the universe and our planet? You know, is it can, can we can we just start there? And he acknowledged, well, yes, uh, they they took that much as literal. And so uh, we had a little bit of conversation from there. And I uh, ended up asking Peter, well, uh, so how did they how did they come to know that God was real because Peter was saying, well, you know, the, the books are a reflection of what the people already believed. In other words, they believe something and then they crystallize them in the forms of writings. They didn't get the writings from on high and then believe them. So that being the case, how did they come to believe in God? And then he, he talked about, well, there are other uh, God stories swirling about uh, in that era. It was, you know, it was a part of the uh, environment, uh, the various God stories. And um, so I, I asked him the question that was that was central to me anyway, which is, okay, so there are these God stories swirling about. So how did the how did the Jews initially come to believe there was a God? Are you saying that they got that from all of the false God stories? Because then why should we believe the Jewish story then? If, if they just started building off of the false God stories, uh, did they have a good reason to believe it? Did they you know, have some kind of event that led them to revelation, that led them to understanding God? And Peter, uh, this is where I, I kind of walked out of the conversation because he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and said, how am I supposed to know? I don't know how they... I don't know how they originally uh, came to believe in God. They they just did. And that's not enough for me. That's a that's a problem for me. You can't just hand wave and yada yada away that, you know, it, eventually these people believed in God and then they started shaping the God stories that we have today. No, how how we originally got the God is an important point to me. And that was a point that uh, Peter was unfortunately not uh, willing to pursue. Uh, so Peter, you know, if you want to come on the show, <laughs> we can talk about that a little bit. I'd love to kick that around with you. Um, if anyone else would like to come on the show um, and to talk about that point and kick it around. But I, I think that we do have to have uh, a kind of a first moment in in the origin story. The origin story doesn't need to be about how the earth came to be. The origin story needs to be how belief in God came to be. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I, and it would be great to hear him flesh out at that level uh, uh, if he's got answers in that uh, respect. Uh, because, yeah, I think that's where, the, that's where the rubber's hitting the road. So I think you need to do that. Yeah, so don't, don't let that particular conversation die out of frustration. There's a, there's a lot of good nuggets in there. And, I, you know, you and I, we're probably skipping over the one that um, should really be talked about. Uh, which is um, toward the end of his uh, post where he says, look, I've told you twice. There's probably not any good reason for you to believe this. 
<laughs> so to his benefit, he did tell me twice. <laughs> so uh, on one of those occasions, uh, he said very specifically, if you don't accept the Bible as a revelation from God, then you probably shouldn't believe it. But that's a little bit contradictory to me because you're saying, but the revelation from God is not what came first. That was just right. people kind of telling their stories and building on the God idea. So it wasn't that on the one hand, he's saying the Bible's not a revelation from God. It's just people kind of making things up uh, to, to paraphrase Darren. And on the other hand, he says, well, if you don't believe it's a revelation of God, then you, sh- you, shouldn't, you shouldn't buy into uh, the God idea, the Christian idea. So um, Christians, is that true? Um, probably shouldn't believe it. Probably should just move on and uh, quit thinking about it, quit worrying about it. Why should we believe? Um, d- does anyone have a better answer? I mean, uh, you know, poor Peter, he's been on the hot stick. Um, the hot seat uh, all week uh, and not a lot of backup. So uh, yeah, the, the hot the hot stick is a lot worse to be. The, it is it's, seat, it's, so. it's worse. You don't want to be on the hot stick. Uh, so. That sounds pointy and hot. There are consequences. Um, so yeah, so uh, good uh, good pick. I'm going to go with another Brian with an I uh, pick, and he's uh, he's uh, having a conversation with Val. Val says, so what is the correct reading? Uh, are you going to tell us at any point? And Brian with an I says, hi, Val. I'm sorry. It should be Val. Val. Volleyball. Hi, Val. It's, you know, Val, if you know him well. Otherwise, Val. Um, <laughs> hi, Val. Mr. Val. Mr. Val to you. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Val. Hi, Val. Is there uh, only one correct reading of Don Quixote or Huckleberry Finn or the brothers Karzmazvavs? Uh, if not, why would anyone think there is only one correct reading of the scriptures? I don't know why there couldn't be many different uh, and correct readings of the scriptures or any piece of literature. Okay. Um, oh, wait a minute. There's one more little line here. Being open to multiple uh, correct readings of uh, published works. So this is Brian. This is classic uh, Brian. Uh, Brian is a friend of all and a friend of none. He will he will take you to task. <laughs> it does not matter whether you are on his side or not. Uh, he will kill you with his kindness. He will get you. He will get you. Val, you've been got. Um, s- sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's that pesky eye in his name. I'm telling you, it, it makes you do wacky things. Yeah. Not- I mean, he's like... Um, you know he's he's the soft assassin very very nice uh excuse me sir i'm going to need to slip this knife through your back that's right would, pardon me, <laughs> pardon me. <laughs> would you would you please expose your ribs for me thank you <laughs> I'm, I'm having trouble getting this into your heart could you just maybe bend over a little bit that way thank you sir um <laughs> Yeah, Brian, Brian with an I, I'm on to you. I'm on to you. Um, so, look, I, I appreciate the sentiment, uh, Brian. And in fact, I've tried to view the Bible this way once upon a time myself. It didn't stick. 
Uh, in fact, uh, I've always had a trouble, this is a little confession of mine, I've always had trouble with literature. Uh, I like literature, kind of, but I hate it in another way. Uh, so when I was in school, you know, everyone, everyone in America anyway, has to take literature. You know, for eighth, eighth grade, ninth grade, you're going to, one of those grades, you're going to take literature and read a lot of boring old dusty books and talk about them. And the thing that I hated uh, about literature is that the teacher always had an interpretation of the thing that you're reading. And I, I assume the teacher is correct about the interpretations, not what I saw <laughs> when I read it. But okay, uh, so that's a metaphor. Hmm. So he's really not in a frozen wood. <laughs> okay, um, that's that's fine. It, but my question is, how did you come to that interpretation? <laughs> what what is the key that you're using to unlock the author's intent? Because I, too, would like to read this and unlock the author's intent the way you're doing. But I don't have the decoder key. And you seem to. And at some point in my school life, I came to uh, believe that literature is bullshit. <laughs> that they do, in fact, they do not know what the author's original intent was. They are just making stuff up. Uh, and it sounds good. Uh, but there's, there's simply no way to know. Uh, and so anything that has multiple right interpretations, uh, I just, I don't care so much about. And so for me, something like the Bible with a real right interpretation is whatever the author had in mind. And as someone who's written stuff, I can tell you the right interpretation of the stuff that I write is what I had in mind at the time I wrote it. That's the right interpretation. There is no other right interpretation, <laughs> I promise. Mm -hmm. I had something in mind when I wrote it, and I may have written it in a cryptic way, but I still had something in mind when I wrote it. And if you come up with something else besides what I had in mind, it's wrong. <coughs> you know, it may be it may be poetically beautiful, but it's wrong. <laughs> and so, um, I I expect a lot of uh, very well educated people who love literature to come at me uh, from both sides here. So come at me, bros. I can, <laughs> I can take it. But when you start when you start reading the Bible that way, uh, and saying, "Well, no, there are many correct interpretations of what it says," then it may, that leads me to believe that what you're really saying is you don't have a clue what it really means. But you're but you are inventing a possible interpretation uh, based on simile and metaphor and figure and you know, whatever your mood is and however you read the Rorschach test. And I have zero interest in reading a book like that. Yeah, I, I, I had very similar reaction uh, as you describe. I think you, I think you hit on a lot of the good points there. Um, a couple, a couple more um, is, so is Brian here um, conceding that the Bible is no different than Huck Finn or Brothers Charismog? It's just fiction. So, okay, I can get on board with, with, with uh, assenting to that. Uh, forget if it's fiction. Is it just literature? If it's just literature and it's just to be appreciated and, and interpreted and it can go nine different ways, then fantastic. I interpret it as, you know, the myths and fables of Bronze Age uh, goat herders and fishermen. And it's got no, um, you know, instructions for me in the now or, you know, instructions for how I can avoid 
you know, future uh, damnation, right? I mean, if that's all this is, is, is fun stories, fantastic. I can get behind that interpretation too, right? Uh, but the main difference, the main difference here is we don't have access to the authors of the works that he cites. So we have to interpret. We have to do our best to figure it out because we don't have access to the source. I'm told by Christians that I have access to the source or the inspiration, however you want to cast it, of the Bible right now. I can close my eyes and pray and get access directly to him. So why the business of needing to do all these interpretations? Why have to go through all these literary machinations to get to the, to the answer? I don't have to do those things if I have the source. If Mark Twain was here, I'd ask him, hey, what the heck did you mean by that passage? But I don't have them, which is why we have these literature courses, et cetera, in high school. So it, this, this reading of what the Bible is just flies in the face of what millions and millions of Christians are telling us we need to assume the Bible is. Right. Uh, and that's that's part of the challenge there. Some of the Christians tell us, oh, yeah, no, the Bible is, you know, you, you read into it or you, you read and you let the Holy Spirit speak to you, whatever the meaning that passage is supposed to have at that moment. And then you've got the other group that's saying, no, the Bible means what it means. This is the words of God, and you have to rightly divide the word of truth based on what it actually says and means. Uh, it doesn't have a different meaning for you than, a, than it does for me. It's, it's the same for everybody. So again, another one of these places I'd like Christians to come in on. I, do you have the uh, next quote that I have? Because it actually uh, d- it directly follows this quote. So I just want to go Let's... for that. And I just don't want to read it's a long vowel quote. It starts with Brian. Yeah, I do have it. You want me, Those you want me to read books it? you mentioned. Yeah, would you do that? Sure, no problem. So this is so this is from Mr. Serval, writing back to Brian, and he says Those books you mentioned are human fictions, and even within fiction there is more or less likely interpretations. The Bible is supposed to be the word of God, or at least documenting God's interaction with mankind. On a logical level, it makes little sense that a God's message would be open to multiple contradictory interpretations, given the importance of the message. But on the specific subject of the disagreement, the claim was that those at the time of the early Bible did not treat the writing, like Genesis, as factual accounts. I've asked how Peter knows this and evidence for the claim, and he has failed to provide sound arguments. If you want, you could try to do better than Peter. So, for instance, God creating an original two humans— Adam and Eve. Those near the time of writing Genesis did not have an alternative empirical scientific account for human origins. Therefore, why would they default to presuming the claim to be merely allegorical or whatever? I'm imagining asking an ancient reader of the Bible, so how did humans arise? If their answer is not essentially the story in Genesis that God specifically created two human beings, male and female, what would it more likely be? Along the lines, oh, that Genesis stuff is just an allegory for the real story. But we know what really happened, and that is fill in the blanks. You had people like Augustine taking much of Genesis literally, though, uh, through in, though in other parts of his writing, cautioning some non-literal interpretations and allegory. But mostly he came to this by taking the Bible as giving factual information, but noting apparent factual inconsistencies in the creation, weak account, creation weak account, So he had to punt to allegory here and there. But it was essentially a project of taking the Bible literally 
And so it seems reasonable that those at the early time of the writing of Genesis took his account of God's actions in the universe literally. And as I said, people have different responses to inconsistencies. Some notice and care about them and find ways in their mind to harmonize them. Others just don't notice or care about them. They can hold contradictory truths in the same mind by compartmentalization or just not noticing or caring enough to seek full consistency. So there is no urgency to think the agents must have defaulted to. X passage isn't true because it doesn't make pure coherent sense with some other passage because we see how this has gotten around or not a problem for all sorts of people today. I just listened to a podcast and watched a video on the Conscious Life Expo, which is an expo for every crackpot pseudoscience, alternative medicine, new age, spiritual, conspiracy theory idea you can imagine. These people say extraordinarily bizarre things about the world, and are cl- they clearly believe them, despite the gross inconsistencies anyone can spot in what they are saying. And these are the people who often enough have made up the belief systems, just as people who made up religious doctrines and their early adherents believe those propositions, not merely as allegory. So thank you, Val. Uh, I will add to this. Andrew, um, this morning, threw in a link. Uh, it wasn't related to this conversation, but I found it interesting that um, that uh, they found evidence that people used uh, cannabis in uh, ancient religious uh, rituals. And so one yes, possibility might just be that the writers were high. I mean, because <laughs> when you read this stuff, you know, you it looks like, oh, someone was on a bad trip. It as it as it happens, <laughs> it's a real possibility. <laughs> so Absolutely. So um yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. And uh if that conversation wets your whistle, uh by all means, uh, jump in the uh, midst uh, of it. That again is in the the uh, a conversation with Chase. Um, take us, uh, your- David. Be- David, before you jump, on, I just want to make one point. Uh, final point on that is um, for those who haven't read the whole CNN article about the discovery of the cannabis uh, during the Bible writing times. The the reason they they knew that was because they found a bag of Doritos, a hacky sack, and a Pink Floyd album. Okay. Come on, that's a good one. Come on, you're supposed to laugh harder than that. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I can't do it, man. All right. I can't All do right. it. All right. Fine. That's fine. I can, I can fail live on podcast. Yeah. No, that's – no. I mean, that's – I can see that some effort was put in it. Um <laughs> Who do I have? Anyway, yes, moving on. Who do I have on speed dial? Um, <laughs> still nobody else. Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you uh, hit us with your uh, second uh, comment. Great. So I am going to zag back to the um, surviving Corona thread, and this is from the book of one of my favorite writers, the book of Darren Lute. And he is responding to Peter, and this is uh, related to that conversation that we were uh, just talking about a little bit before. Um, And uh, Darren replies to Peter, and he says, Thank you for pointing out the confusion. I know I come across as a snarky ass at times, but this is really appreciated. You and another Christian have a book. 
The book says that some guy 2,000 years ago said to turn the other cheek and love your enemies. For thousands of years, priests have been raping children, and the congregation has been turning the other cheek and loving their enemy, which has allowed it to continue. They feel that it is what those meant. You don't feel that way. There is a demonstrable difference between what you think Jesus was saying and what the other Christians thought he was saying. Neither one of you can demonstrate that what you think Jesus meant when he said turn the other cheek and to love your enemy is actually what he meant. You have an opposing view that you can't demonstrate is accurate. As an outsider, why should I care what either of you have to say about what Jesus said if neither one of you can agree on what he actually said? When neither one of you can demonstrate you are correct in your claims about what he meant. So I think Darren here is putting to, to you know, to uh, Digital Inc. what you and I were describing before, which is, you know, this, this um, response of there are multiple interpretations. It does nothing to help the skeptic or the seeker in either, in either hat um, figure out what is actually trying to be said. If it can be diametrically opposed answers, then I'm not sure why we need to care about the medium that's being presented to us. Uh, so I, I thought this was a, a good a good way of, of putting a fine point in bringing up an example, obviously of the you know the, the horrible, scandalous um, you know child raping scene going on in the Catholic Church. Um, you know some some people want to you know hoist them uh, onto the onto the stake, and some people want to turn the other cheek and pretend it's not happening. And if Jesus can be saying equally those things with with no way of parsing, then then he's right. I don't, you know, I don't know how you can't describe anything to what Jesus was thinking and saying. Yeah, those are the people you want to put on the hot stick. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, I'm going to let this mostly stand. Uh, I want to just let people know I do have a, an entire book on Jesus that I've not that I've not finished editing and that I've not put out there. Uh, the writing is done. It's been done for a year. Um, and so I do plan to, to do something with that and, uh, focus on Jesus. Uh, I, I want to do that for just about a whole season. Uh, I'm not a fan of Jesus. Uh, as some of you know, I'm a, I'm a reluctant mythicist. I don't actually think that, uh, the Jesus of the Bible existed, but I always treat my arguments as if he did exist. I, I take it from that perspective. Uh, and so I'm not a fan of that guy. Um, I don't think he was a great teacher. I don't think he was a, a particularly good person. Uh, and I think that much of his advice uh, was terrible. It's, it's in fact, not just terrible, exactly the wrong thing to do. You should, you know, when Jesus says something, you should probably think in terms of doing exactly the opposite. Uh, turn the other cheek. Bad move. <laughs> that's a particularly bad move uh, if someone is beating you and abusing you turning the other cheek uh, is not going to help what you should do uh, is turn on your heel and run like hell uh, you know that may not work but it's better <laughs> it's, it's better than standing there and being abused at least at least put your arm up and block the dang thing I yeah. mean, come on um, th so look in in there are, you know, as, as we go through the sayings of Jesus, uh, I will give my interpretation. I've, I've had these conversations with people and they will give their interpretation. Oh, no, no, no. You are misunderstanding what Jesus meant. Jesus actually meant this other thing. He didn't mean the way you're caricaturing it. Well, really? 
Because, because I'm not trying to caricature anything. I'm coming at it from the experience of a person who uh, has been to more church services than you. Uh, I've heard more sermons than you. Whoever you are, I've heard more than you. Uh, and I've likely preached more sermons than you. Uh, and so, uh, and I've read more books by Christians than you. That's going to be true for most of you. That is not true for Dale. Dale has read more books than me. <laughs> Dale has read more books than you, whoever you are. So, um, but that said, um, yeah. And, the, and on, on that point, you know that you'll get people who 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 are you know two different Christians who believe they have the same access to Jesus, either by the internal witness of the Holy Spirit or or what have you, inspiration. Um, they'll tell you he means two different things, right? So again, even the people that say they've got the decodering, the decodering is showing different results depending on who's flipping the, the dials on it. Right. No, so, it's, you know, I mean, you go to yeah. the same church uh, twice on a Sunday. Uh, and the churches I went to always had Sunday morning and Sunday evening service. I always went to both. You can hear on the same day from the same pulpit from two different preachers different interpretations of something that Jesus said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, the, the idea that we just kind of, uh, that, that they're all right answers, is is un, unfathom, unfathomable to me. And the fact that Christians have different answers on the test means that, uh, to me, it's, it's powerful evidence uh, or powerful disconfirmation of a God. And the Christian has the burden to explain why a God... Uh, who, on the one hand, says they'll lead you into all truth uh, and is not the author of confusion, would leave so much confusion in the wake and leave Christians debating among themselves what is truth and what is not. Uh, I will be uh, having a conversation with Chris Date in, uh, I want to say, two weeks uh, about Calvinism. A lot of Christians don't agree with Calvinism. Calvinists don't agree with uh, the other side. In fact, uh, many would go as far as to say that the other side is not saved. They, are, they have a fatally wrong version of Christianity. Uh, the fact that you can come to that place where different people have these diametrically opposed views suggests to me that God isn't talking to any of them. Yeah, agree. All right, I'm going to pick up just just a moment. I'm not going to edit this out. I'm just going to have to let my dog back in. Just give me a second. <laughs> Come in, Poochie Poochie. You see, I closed my office door. Uh, if the dog is on the other side of it, he wants to be in. And after a few minutes... He won't to go back out. <laughs> the way he lets you know that is he claws at the door, making this terrible, loud scratching noise. Um, usually, uh, these scenes are accompanied by a lot of swearing on my part, but I'm doing a <laughs> podcast now, <laughs> so your your restraint is admirable. <laughs> um, argument from design. I wanted to go back a little bit. Um, David Paulman was the guest. Uh, for this week. You guys remember that show, The Argument from Design? It was probably my worst uh, performance on Skeptics and Seekers ever. I think you guys probably remember that one. Um, 
I am still trying to rewrite history about it, but the problem is the <laughs> there's no way I don't have the technology to reach into your cell phones and delete that episode. So, I luckily, uh, luckily, luckily for us, there are multiple interpretations of how you did it. So, <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I don't know. That said, Paulman didn't exactly kick my ass, but. Because uh, I don't think his performance is that great either. It's just that we both were at cross purposes for most of the show, and so it wasn't it wasn't as good of a show as it as it could have been because there was some misunderstanding going in. I uh, I enjoyed my time with David Paulman, and I will have him back on the show, uh, and we will be on the same page <laughs> the next time, <laughs> the next time we talk. But uh, the argument from Design Show that did produce a lot of comments. Uh, nonetheless, uh, there was a lot from uh, Marvin uh, in that show, so I just wanted to give a quick shout out uh, to Marvin on there. I don't remember if I've got any of your comments in here or not. I think I do, but um, I think I think you have one of them there. Yeah. So, uh, but this one, uh, and I want to add, I also hooked back up with a friend from many years ago. So as you can see, this is kind of jumping in the middle of the conversation, but I think you'll pick up uh, the zeitgeist here. Uh, I, uh, I also hooked up, uh, hooked back up with a friend from many years ago. Our husbands were best friends. She was getting divorced. Another casualty of the married at 20 because of purity culture. Uh, I told her I'd deconvert it. She was cool about it. Uh, she was brought up in a Christian home by evangelicals, uh, has attended several churches in London for uh, decades, still does. She uh, didn't have a clue, not a clue, that the Gospels weren't written by the disciples, that many of the letters of Paul aren't from Paul, that there were different uh, doctrines on hell, and you didn't have to believe in eternal conscious torment. She confessed it sounded ridiculous and never sat well with her, and also that she wasn't sure entirely uh, sound all that uh, great either. That's the average level of knowledge. What we do here is crazy detailed. I know nothing compared to most of you, but I'm pretty sure I'd beat the... Uh, uh, hands down almost anyone in my old church on knowledge now. And doesn't anyone notice this is a dude's game? Tara is an outlier, but essentially it's just me on here. Uh, women mostly just don't find this uh, fruitful, interesting, or simply don't have the time. This, if you haven't already guessed, is Sarah. Um, there are a lot of little threads here to be pulled, but for the sake of time, uh, I'm not going to pull at them all. I do want to acknowledge, um, the last thing she said, uh, this does seem to be a dude's game. Also, you are wrong on the fact, uh, there is another gal in the mix, uh, from time to time. Some people simply know her as the bear. Teddy, the bear, is uh, 
<laughs> also a woman on the boards. Um, easy to forget. Um, so, uh, and uh, Joyce uh, Bergen, who has uh, been on the boards uh, before uh, and seldom. She's not on any boards these days uh, that much. Uh, but she's around. So uh, there are one or two. Uh, of you out there, but it, it is interesting that uh, the game of apologetics and counter apologetics does seem to be a, a, a sausage fest. Yeah, that's that's a shame. It would be good to mix it up a little bit more. Yeah, um, atheist experience. Uh, they have uh, a lot of great uh, women hosts on the show, uh, so that's uh, that's one place uh, that you can go. I I have as many women on the show as who will say yes. Uh, which is exactly how many uh, women I've married. <laughs> so, <laughs> ones who, oh, they said, yes, we're married. Um, so, um, yeah, I, the other thing I found interesting here and compelling, the reason I, why I put it in here, is I think that Sarah is right. Uh, this, the type of Christianity that is discussed with this kind of academic flavor that people on the board pretend is the average everyman Christianity. It's just not true. It's, it's just not true. And I think that a lot of Christians, especially of the academic kind, are completely out of touch with what the average Christian of you thinks and knows. Uh, so the average Christian does not, for instance... Uh, no, they've never heard anyone in authority say, oh, yeah, um, you know, the Gospels weren't necessarily written by eyewitnesses. Or, uh, yes, we know that uh, fully six of the 13 books of Paul and possibly seven are not of Paul. They've never heard that before. They, they do not know anything about textual criticism. They think that the Bible are the words of God, the exact words of God. They, they think the way I used to think. And the way I used to think was that, uh, yeah, we have translations of the Bible because, you know, the original Bible wasn't in English, duh. But uh, the, the real Bible, you know, the Hebrew Bible and then the Greek Bible, uh, they're sitting in some Catholic vault, you know, and we just pull them out and, and, and write translations off of them. Uh, but, you know, there is a an actual true Bible where we get the actual words of God from. That's not true. <laughs> people, but I, I'm, I, I'm certain that people think that way. That's how they talk about the Bible. Um, and so I, um, I, I just wanted to highlight that just as a reminder uh, to people that the conversations we are having on the board do not reflect, uh, I think the average butts in the pews, uh, I try to bring it down to that level, uh, and I think that some people appreciate it, and uh, other people, I think, are constantly talking over and talking past where the average person is. And yes, you're doing a great job studying and reading those books and being very academic, but I, I don't think that you are making a connection uh, to average people in the pews. And I will call out a person who I think is particularly guilty of this, even though it's a person who I particularly love a lot. Uh, Arthur Jeffries, uh, you are on notice right now, uh, Arthur. Every, every time I mention something about the Catholic Church, 
he brings up a very detailed article uh, straight from the archives of some <laughs> Catholic bishop uh, from, uh, you know, 1500 years ago, pointing out that I was wrong. <laughs> and so, uh, and I can't argue with it. Um, you know, it's there. But Arthur, I think that what you might what you might have and what you might be missing is you have an extremely rarefied, specific kind of education that even most Catholics do not have. And even though you have sources uh, backing up your opinions, you also have to acknowledge there are other Catholic sources that would disagree with your opinions on some of this. Um, but yes, I think that you, author would win the debate uh, most of the time because you're just very good at arguing your point. But uh, even in high Catholicism, it's not like there's one true understanding of of the Bible and of Catholic doctrines. There isn't. And the average person in the view, in the pew, simply does not have that academic level of understanding. So I I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, that was an interesting conversation, though, and I uh, thought that Sarah's point was worth picking up. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with all that. And, and I would just add that I also find an interesting uh, dissymmetry uh, between um, when apologists will tell skeptics that they're, you know, the reason they don't, you know, they're skeptics or the reason they don't believe in God is because they're not well read enough, not well studied enough. They don't understand these complex arguments, so they, you know, they're they're coming from a false premise. Uh, but I don't see that criticism leveled at the Christians, who they're happy to call brothers and sisters in Christ, who got saved and got baptized because their parents told them to, or just because it was a rote habit. Or they believe all manner of false things about what the Bible is, what what God has said, you know, what the church is, is dictating. Uh, they're happy to, to call them, you know, uh, as qualified into the fold when you know they're just as uh, you know n- not accessed to uh, to these complex arguments and complex understanding. Yeah, and I also want to acknowledge one other thing in uh, Sarah's point uh, in Sarah's post. It's a point that she makes often, and it doesn't get highlighted enough. Uh, she talks about uh, the people who don't find these kinds of conversations fruitful or or simply don't have the time. This is something that people grossly overestimate, uh, especially nerds like us, is how much time people have to, to, to delve into this stuff. Uh, normal people with well-rounded lives don't have time for this crap. <laughs> they really, they honestly don't have time. They're raising 2.7 kids. Uh, they are trying to meet the mortgage. They are trying to, uh, you know, finish their 10 hours of work uh, uh, every day. And there's not a lot of time uh, to do a lot of deep theological studies. Uh, this stuff isn't even on people's radars. And I think that uh, a lot of normal people get a lot of criticism for not taking this seriously enough. They're taking it as seriously as they can. But they're not going to go back to school and get a degree in apologetics to try to understand this stuff. And so I, I um, even when I was a, a Christian, I was more of an everyday man Christian. Uh, I didn't, I didn't cater to the to the to the high academics. Uh, I could have, I, I just didn't. I, I saw it um, fundamentally as a a bad thing. And in that same conversation, we're, we're starting to wrap up here. I wanted to 
address this one because this was a comment uh, aimed directly at my jugular. Oh, yeah. This is a good one. And uh, once again, from someone I like. (laughs) This This is from my own team. (laughs) <laughs> Guys, if you think that people on my side are just some kind of yes men who who, um, uh, who just yes me around like lap dogs, I don't know who you're reading. You're not you're not reading the same people I'm reading. First of all, I wouldn't like anybody like that. But um, second of all, it's just not true, uh, as demonstrated here. Uh, so, quoting Val, uh, this poster writes. Anyway, David J. seems to have reached a state of Buddha-like openness and acceptance, uh, knowing how to ride out the peaks and valleys. And uh, he was talking about, uh, you know, some of the the turbulent times with Dale, the ups and downs. Um, And, um, yeah, I used to to be someone who had a lot less patience with Dale. I have a lot more patience with Dale now. I I love Dale. I think that Dale is a valuable uh, member of this community. He's welcome here anytime. Um, And uh, a lot of people don't have the same relationship with Dale Uh, and (laughs) and or Marvin. And um, I, uh, you know, I've gone through some things and done some things, used some strategies to, to make it where I do have a better relationship with these guys. Uh, and it's important to me. Uh, so Ken was uh, just kind of pointing out that, and he follows up with a definition, idiot compassion. You want to read the definition of idiot compassion? Sure. And that, that is such a wonderful backhanded <laughs> compliment. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Idiot compassion. According to Ken, the third near enemy of compassion is idiot compassion. This is when we avoid conflict and protect our good image by being kind when we should definitely say no. Compassion doesn't only imply trying to be good. When we find ourselves in an aggressive relationship, we need to set clear boundaries. The kindest thing we can do for everyone concerned is know when to say enough. Many people use Buddhist ideals to justify self-debasement. In the name of not shutting our heart, we let people walk all over us. It is said that in order to not to break our vow of compassion, we have to learn when to stop aggression and draw the line. There are times when the only way to bring down barriers is to set boundaries. From The Places That Scare You, A Guide to Fearlessness in Difficult Times, Pema Chaudron. Okay. Um, idiot compassion. There it is. Um, so let me just say uh, this, Ken, and I didn't, I don't think that I replied to you uh, online, but uh, I'm glad I get a chance to reply to you here. You're not wrong about the definition of idiot compassion okay um and there is such a thing and i think um this there's a kind of a christian notion of um you know turning the other cheek and bending over backwards uh, with kindness for people who are abusing you i think that's a bad idea and i think that's the type of thing that you have in mind uh so i want to be clear uh i think that idiot compassion mostly applies to people who are vulnerable. I am not vulnerable in the way that you are thinking. Uh, 
I am in control. Uh, Tara, you will be happy to know that uh, I am in control. I don't, I don't say this out loud very much. I'm in control of every interaction I have. <laughs> okay, uh, nobody is walking over me. It that simply isn't going to happen. And anyone who knows me, I mean, you, you can talk to Andrew. Anyone who knows me knows that uh, I'm way past being walked over uh, in my life. So I know what I'm doing, and I can therefore afford to be more gracious uh, in uh, in situations where other people probably shouldn't be gracious because it might be dangerous for them. But it is not dangerous for me. Uh, so there's nothing that Dale, in his angriest state, can do to me, to harm me. Can't happen. Um, so I recognize that. And so it does not harm me. It doesn't cost me anything to bend over backwards to make a place uh, where Dale can be comfortable. I imagine there are a lot of places where he can't be comfortable, and I want him to be comfortable here. Uh, I imagine that a lot of people react to Marvin in a certain way, uh, because they don't understand him uh, or appreciate the type of uh, debater he is or appreciate the good things that he has to say and sometimes those get lost in you know some of the some of the crazy debates we get in but I do uh, understand him and I don't he cannot hurt me <laughs> he can't he can't harm me I'm perfectly in control of my own emotions and uh, all of the conversations and so it doesn't cost me anything. Uh, to bend over backwards or to allow, uh, you know, some backhanded insult to, to come my way. That doesn't, that costs me nothing. Uh, and in return, uh, I've made great headway in progress uh, in talking to people that I used to not be able to talk to and communicate with. Uh, and so, no, there is, there is an end goal that I have to the type of compassion I show. I think that it is demonstrably working exactly the way uh, I hoped it would work. Uh, I, I want to improve on it and make it even better. But to the outsider, it might look like I'm making myself vulnerable to be trampled. That is never the case with me. So just, just so you are aware of that. Yeah, I think, I think, I think those are good points and, and, and yeah, I think anyone that tries to cast you as a wilting flower is going to be missing a lot of evidence <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to, to try to make that case. Um, in, in my time on the boards, I've come to learn that the best regulation of the board is to regulate yourself and to try to um, try to go after people's arguments, try not to go after people personally, try to go after behavior, don't go after people's character. You know, none of us know what's behind the curtain of the skeptics and seekers board. We're all coming at this through a filter. The best thing you can do is to be charitable, to steal man, and to just try to take the personal BS out of it. And I'm certainly guilty of not living up to that standard. And, you know, I seek to do so. Uh, you know, I'm happy to hear on the record to apologize for any time that I was not that way. Uh, in particular, I will, I will point to Marvin, who, who we've had a couple of dust ups and and, you know, I certainly apologize for whatever I did to inflame things, and I'm happy to be better and move forward uh, with that. Uh, but that being said, I also think it's fair game when people are playing games to call out the games, right? 
I mean, if people are misrepresenting, if people are mischaracterizing, if people are outright lying, I don't think it's an ad hominem to point out an outright lie. You know, if you if someone says you never said X and I can show you I said X, then I'm sorry. You know, you, 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 you missed the mark there. Uh, so I, I but I think we need to have thick skins to not take things personally and to try to, to, to as charitably as you can take the best out of these interactions. And at the end of the day, if you're not getting what you want out of an interaction, then just extricate yourself from the conversation. I mean, you know, I, when Dale, you know, if I'm you're in a conversation with Dale and he writes, you know, all these tomes, which is always interesting and, you know, makes my eyes tired. You know, if you're in a conversation with him, I, I try to now cast my responses so they will look good whether or not Dale's rejoinders remain on the board. I will try to quote them so that the context of what I'm saying can be seen, what I'm responding to, or I'll just write them in a way that is, you know, evergreen, good for all seasons, not specifically to a, to a specific charge. So there are ways for us to not be affected by things that, you know, we don't think are good behavior uh, as far as message board etiquette goes. But everyone's in charge of themselves, and I think they should handle themselves accordingly. Right. And let me just say one more uh, thing related to that. Uh, stop calling people trolls. Uh, look, here's, here's the deal. We are all the same kind of geek on the same board doing the same thing. We are all trolls here. <laughs> Every last one of us, we are all trolling. I am trolling you right now. <laughs> Brian is too. He just doesn't know it. He just doesn't want to admit it. This, this, those, is getting, <laughs> this is getting so meta, David. I, so, I can't keep track. Honestly, I, you know, I'm nauseated at the self-righteousness from my side sometimes. <laughs> uh, really, we are not better. We, we, are, we come here... You know, we say we're minding our own business having a conversation. No, we're not. We bring up posts to make the other side look stupid because it's fun. We're trolling. We troll when we do that. Um, and Christians, uh, when they think they've got a point that can, you know, is a, a sharp stick in our side, they'll troll us with it. That's fair game. That's the game. We're all playing the same game. <laughs> we're all doing it. Grant it. Skeptics are better at it. It's like being in a boxing ring and, and getting upset with your opponent for punching you in the nose. Right. No, <laughs> like, I mean, this is the game, okay? Yeah. And you all know it. It's stop getting all indignant over the fact yeah. that someone is, you know, no, that's just conversational gamesmanship. You are engaged in conversational gamesmanship, right. too. I read yeah. all of the posts, okay? No side is worse than the other here. Uh, Mac Attack, for all of his... Mac Attack, you know, talk about a, a number one chief troll. Nobody does it better than Mac Attack because he <laughs> trolls in such a way that gets everyone upset. I mean, he's so... <laughs> Which is which is I think uh, the the goal of a troll. <laughs> you want to you want to get the other side upset and make them look stupid. He, he does and it. The, uh, the sharp the sharp part of his the sharp part of his stick is he's doing it with a with a powdered wig avatar. Yes, That's the part that always gets me. <laughs> yes, it, it, look, he's here's the thing. Uh, uh, props, Mac Attack. Mac Attack yeah. is always calm. <laughs> he is he is he is never what I would consider mad dog or flying off the handle. He's yeah. he's very collected. He knows exactly what he's doing and he's better at it than you. <laughs> so <laughs> don't don't get pissed off over that. 
this is the game, okay? And uh, all of us are passing the time in different ways, and some of us uh, appreciate the gamesmanship more than others. Sometimes we have a serious thing that we want to talk about, and the other person, uh, it, you know, just wants to quote unquote troll. Uh, but we we all take that role, okay? So uh, I think that it's you know we can understand the other a lot better when we stop pointing fingers uh, and saying, well. You know, that that person is just a trolling vortex of nonsense. We are all trolling vortexes of nonsense at times. Okay? So let's um, let's just appreciate that uh, and stop crying foul uh, every time someone bends your nose out of shape and, um, you know, have a, have a clean or dirty fight, <laughs> whichever you're in the mood for. Um, we're all grown-ups here. We can take it. So... Uh, that said, I've got one last one that I'm going to do, and then I'm going to let you do your last one. Excellent. This one is from the Resurrection After Show. I think those are typical arguments appealing uh, to Psalms and Romans. Natural theology, uh, once also termed physico theology, is a type of theology that provides arguments for the existence of God based on reason and ordinary experience of nature. The arguments run that we both have the same evidence. Perhaps where you will say, I don't know, they will say, I know. And this is from Marvin uh, in the uh, Resurrection After Show. This, this was a couple of months ago now. Uh, thank you, Marvin, for that. Uh, we had a little bit of a conversation about natural theology there. Uh, and this idea always springs from uh, whenever whenever I run into a Romans 1 Christian. Uh, and by a Romans 1 Christian, I mean someone who says, uh, who, who tries to prove the existence of God by nature and says that we don't have any excuse for not believing in God because we at least have the testimony of nature. And therefore... Um, you know, no one, no one is without, uh, no one is with an, an excuse uh, here. So atheists are therefore somehow not honest um, about their atheism, or they're they're somehow purposely uh, suppressing the truth of God that's obvious to everyone if you just look around. Uh, so that's that's kind of how these conversations come about. And uh, Marvin uh, was speaking. Uh, was was clarifying the idea of natural theology uh, and so forth. This is I put this in here because I would like someone to come on the show and debate natural theology with me, uh, or at least discuss natural theology. I think that natural theology is one of the worst arguments uh, in theology. Pascal uh, apparently agreed with me. Uh, he was he was not fond of natural theology either. Um, but I've I. Even Christians who know better often uh, devolve into the language of natural theology. Uh, and so it's, it's one of those things that I, I wanted to take this moment to use as a personal plea. If there's someone out there who believes that natural theology is a good idea, please come on the show and have a discussion with me or one of the regular um, hosts of the show. And uh, with that, I will turn it back over to Brian for the final uh, comment. Very good. So uh, my last uh, comment I highlighted was back on the surviving Corona thread. 
Uh, and this is another verse and chapter from the book of Sarah. And this was about, um, this was in response to a comment um, that I made about, uh, this was when uh, you and um, the other skeptics were talking about your chapters in the book. Uh, and you guys had an interesting conversation about hope. And it kind of went back and forth and ping-ponged a little bit. Um, and, uh, and, and I had uh, my two cents to weigh in about hope. Uh, and this is how Sarah responded to me. So she said, uh, referring the hope thing, uh, and actually she said it more ghetto. She said, ref the hope thing, which I think is fantastic, by the way. Um, there was probably a She's a white to- woman from France. <laughs> she can't cannot- ghetto it up. I mean, that's not... Can- no, no, Sarah, can- I veto that. I veto... <laughs> That that can't no. You anyway. are trolling. Sat. You cannot deny Sarah's street street cred. I'm telling you, she's she's bringing it. She doesn't have school. street cred. She can't have street cred. She's a white French woman. There's no Aren't street there cred. Street, there's streets leading up to the you know the hills of the Alps where they're serving the Chardonnay and the oh, you know the the, the, the the ski lodges. Come on. How about some charity here? You just told us about charity about three minutes ago, and now you're you know anyway. Sorry, that was a sidebar. Uh, <laughs> trolling. It was probably a definition issue. Trolling. Plot him out. Here. <laughs> yes, I know. See? That said, I have a friend who is a uh, Christian who uh, has led a miserable life of pain and suicidal ideation all their days. They uh, That they have a hope in Jesus is the only thing that stops them from topping themselves. I would not wish to take that hope from them. They hope, have faith, that by acting like Jesus, by practicing radical love, God works through them and in them. It may or may not be rooted in reality. It may be delusional, but it serves a purpose to them. It gives them a reason to keep going. It's a useful fiction to them at the very least. I think we all have a hope in the future of sorts. We hope that teaching our kids will lead them to being better adults, that educating them might mean they can be fruitful, that living a worthwhile life is important, that fighting the war against the oppressor will lead us to freedom, if not for us, but for others. That's the type of hope I was referring to. Much of it is a positive outlook and focus on an ideal outcome. Good mental hygiene. If we lose all hope, like in the case of thinking the fight we engage in against our oppressor is utterly pointless and futile, we shrivel up and die. Other forms of hope is more of the wishful thinking type. I can hope in that sense there is a a happy afterlife filled with unicorns and ice cream. I can hope there is a nice benevolent creator God. It would be nice. Why not hope there is something more? I think the danger only comes when you pin your hopes on this. It's not a knowledge claim. It's just a wish hope there is something there. Now, I, um, I picked this quote because, um, you know, I, I basically largely agree with everything that Sarah writes. Uh, I just think what ends up happening is you get an equivocation game going on when talking uh, with Christians about hope. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll take the hope. And then use the hope as evidence that the claims behind it are true. And one can have hope in something that's 100% verified true, and someone can have hope in something that is factually demonstrated as false, and everything in between. Hope as the disposition, hope as the mental attitude, hope as the um, uh, you know, uh, way you're, you're positioning yourself in the world to move forward is 100% I agree. That's how we've got to do it. Otherwise, I'm not sure why else you would be going on. Uh, But I do not want to see that hope turned into, you know, the evidence of things unseen. That's the that's the catch that that the Christians trying to do. And I just think that's the move that we need to make sure uh, isn't happening. 
So I, uh, I agree 100%. Um, I, I do want to take Sarah to task a little bit, though. She talked about hope for a future with unicorns. And having seen Legends of Tomorrow... Uh, unicorns are not good creatures. You don't. They are. <laughs> I've seen the documentary evidence uh, on unicorns. Very evil. They need to be dispatched back to the pit of hell. So, uh, Sarah, you need to watch more mindless TV uh, before hyping unicorns. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow, people, uh, look it up, binge it. Um, there, there are there are no sacred cows on this show. We will take unicorns to task. We are ready for all comers here. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, this there is a shell game uh, being played. Uh, it's the same shell game uh, that's played with faith uh, oftentimes. It's a word game. So uh, sometimes it means this, and sometimes it means that, and Christians are prepared to shift that meaning uh, and just, just slide that meaning from one uh, part of the continuum to the other depending on how, what they need it to say. So when you're talking to a Christian about hope, you might have a fixed definition of your mind, but I assure you they don't have a fixed definition of their mind. That that word can cover a lot of ground. Uh, and so you think you're talking about the same thing. There's a pretty good chance you're not. Exactly. That was the, the main thrust of what I wanted to get in there. Yeah. So with that said, uh, this has been fun. Uh, let's, uh, let's do this again in another month. Um, there's obviously there are a lot of comments that we didn't discuss. There are some whole threads that we didn't touch on uh, a lot of shows that, um, uh, we didn't touch on, but, uh, these are, these are some of the ones that we wanted to highlight. And, uh, the ones that we highlight on the show are comments that either we have were participating in those discussions or discussions that we wanted to participate in for whatever reason we couldn't. Uh, or uh, discussions that we found interesting uh, and didn't maybe have anything that we could add that was more interesting, but we wanted to read more, uh, see more commentary uh, on. And so that's the case with a lot of these. So uh, keep the comments coming, and uh, I'd love to see what you have to say about the comments highlighted on the comment section, the show the comment section, the sub show of skeptics and seekers. And, uh, with that next week, forget about next week, tomorrow, tomorrow, as I speak now, I will be, uh, interviewing David Russell, David Russell, one of the uh, Christian writers of, uh, the book surviving Corona. And so we'll be talking about his chapter there and, uh, knowing David Russell, as I do, he might even he might even try to take me to task on some of the things that I wrote uh, in the book. We'll see, we'll see. Uh, because whenever I interview David Russell, you know, because he's a podcast host, he likes to try to turn the tables and interview me. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Um, we'll uh, we'll see. It's going to be good. Um, I mean, he's no Natalie Collins. Come on, uh, but. <laughs> Kind of, he doesn't have God. He doesn't have God talking in his ear. So you're right. already ahead of the game here. <laughs> I think it's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be okay. And then um, the following week, uh, if everything goes as planned, I don't know if it's the following week or not. Now that I think about it, but either the following week or the one after that, we're gonna have uh, Chris Date uh, back on the show, and we're gonna be talking uh, Calvinism. 
with Chris Date. You don't want to miss that. Uh, if you if you love Calvinism, Chris Date is the foremost, one of the foremost experts uh, to talk about the subject. If you hate Calvinism and find it evil, you're going to want to listen to Chris Date. Uh, because Chris Date is going to be fielding uh, some of those uh, Christian and atheist objections uh, to Calvinism. Uh, stay tuned uh, there. We have another uh, surprise guest uh, coming up sometime this month. I don't want to say when because I don't have my calendar in front of me, but uh, this month looks good for Skeptics and Seekers. And by the way, this is um, practically the month of June now, and June is historically... Our last month of recording, we take um, we take July and August off uh, in prepare, preparation for the next season. And so, when this season, uh, when this month of shows are over, it's over for a couple of months. So, uh, hang hang with us. We've got some good stuff uh, coming up. And uh, with that, goodbye, everybody. Bye, bye, everyone. <laughs>